Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're doing one I've been really looking forward to talking about for quite a while now. It is Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, starring Frances McDormand. And uh, will this be our Best Picture winner this year at the Oscars? I can't really tell you for sure, but I think it's probably what I will be rooting for. Let's put it that way. And uh, this movie has been heavily awarded so far in the lead up to award season. And it's a fantastic movie. And I am really looking forward to talking about it with my guest co-host, Diego Andalus from the Global Film Podcast. It's his first time here on the show, and I was really happy to have him here on the show to talk about this great movie. So that's coming up in a second here, but before we do get to that, I want to remind you all, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts, because uh, we've got a lot of episodes in the pipeline, and uh, you, you want to find out about them as soon as they come out. If you're subscribed, then that will happen. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what we're doing here on Piecing It Together, you can also rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be wonderful, but also just let us know what you think of the show. I love getting feedback on this show. I love making the show, and I love hearing from people. So you can review us, like I said, Apple Podcasts, also on Podchaser, uh, or just get in touch. You know, I, I love hearing from people. You can connect with us on social media at PiecingPod, and we also have a Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And with that said, let's start talking about Nomadland. All right, so to help me talk about Nomadland, we've got Diego Andalus from the Global Film Podcast. Diego, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been really looking forward to talking about this movie for a while now. I, I got to see it last year, luckily, and uh, and I've been waiting to do an episode on it, and I'm so glad to get a chance to talk about it. But before we get to the movie, though, uh, it's your first time here on Piecing It Together. Why don't you tell people a little bit about uh, you and what you do? Well, so I host a global film podcast, which is a podcast where each week we bring around global contributors from all around the world, and we just discuss the latest releases. And on top of that, I'm also the awards editor for Discussing Film, and I also mm -hmm. write freelance for places like Awards Watch, Film Inquiry, Film Updates, and more. Right on. How long have you been uh, been doing all this? I've actually only gotten into it quite recently, around when the pandemic started. I, I mean, my okay. first official reviews actually started coming out around like March, April. Yeah. So... 
Oh, that's great. Well, yeah. I mean, you you are all over the place and busy, so Thank I mean, yeah. that's, that's great that you're you're in there doing all that. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so th- this movie Nomadland was was this a big one like on your radar before it came out? Was it something you had been looking forward to? Um, I mean, yeah, because I actually saw it at TIFF. I don't know if that's where you caught it as well, but I I mean, honestly, it was the most hyped film of the entire festival. Um, it had a lot, a lot of traction from Venice and it, going into New York as well. It also had some of that TIFF traction. But sure. honestly, it was probably one of my favorite films of the festival. And I mean, honestly, going into films like this, I normally try to not buy into all the, the pre-hype like that <laughs> populates, especially with all the awards talks and Glowy Ja with the whole Marvel deal as well. So I was trying to keep my expectations a bit tempered and I wasn't really sure what to expect. Cause that was actually my first time seeing a film from Chloe Zhao. Um, right. but it just, it blew me. I mean, we'll get into this later, but it just absolutely blew me away. And just her direction was magnificent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this movie did have so much hype coming out of that, uh, that festival. And it, it is, it is a very different thing seeing a movie as part of, part of that whole like festival experience. And everybody is just like kind of rushing to to get to twitter with the first like mm-hmm. excited takes on it and everything like that so mm-hmm. i could totally picture how that kind of colors things but then uh i think this is a movie that really really um you know continues to build and, and stay on your mind and uh it just continues to grow i think at least it did for me and, and uh we'll get into more of that as we get into this conversation but um, let's start jumping into some puzzle pieces. I, I'm going to go with the, the first one here. Uh, and it's the first movie that came to mind for me, even though I hadn't seen it at the time. And I then, uh, went and watched it and it still absolutely, I think felt like it fit really well as almost like a companion piece to, to Nomadland. And that's Wendy and Lucy from Kelly Reichard, uh, from 2008 starring Michelle Williams, um, and it, it's this movie about the, this woman who is um, heading across the country to Alaska with her dog, and she, you know, like Fern in Nomadland, she, you know, she's not homeless, but she's houseless and uh, kind of living out of her her vehicle. And when her vehicle breaks down, um, and her dog goes missing, uh, and she has no resources, no home address or phone number, so it's like impossible to get work to raise the money she needs to you know, continue her journey and also find her dog. And it just kind of shows you just how impossible it is to get out of, you know, these kind of situations or for people to change their situations once they're, you know, once they're stuck in these. And it's a really, really beautiful movie and a fantastic performance from Michelle Williams, just like uh, uh, Frances McDormand in, in Nomadland, just really, you know, every frame almost, you're, you're fixated on this person. And, it just, I think they're two such strong people who are just in these situations that are so difficult. And uh, I, I think they're both handled really well and just uh, beautiful depictions of what is such a uh, a difficult, difficult situation. Yeah, so I actually did not get a chance to see this one, but seeing it from Kelly Reichardt, who, again, First Cow was a wonderful film and I love oh, yeah. the rest of her work. So now that you've put this one on my radar, I'm surely going to check it out uh, because with those comparisons that you just drew, it definitely seems like something that would be up my alley. So the yeah. first film that I would actually bring to the table is that of Chloe Zhao's The Rider, which is actually the film that she did prior to Nomadland. This was actually the one that got her the most mainstream attention, the most buzz that ended up, I think, getting her in touch with Frances McDormand at TIFF. Uh, 
and ended mm-hmm. up leading to the development of Nomadland. But just from, again, it's the same director. So you can tell from a thematic standpoint as well as just like the camera movements and almost every single aspect of the film, there's a lot of similarities there. In One of the things that I noticed the most was how in Nomadland, they use a lot of non-actors. I mean, they have Francis McDormand. They have um, this, this, a couple supporting characters who are well-known actors, but the majority of the cast are actual real-life nomads, and that sure. brings a certain authenticity to all their performances. And in The Rider, we see the same. I believe pretty much the central family um, is our actual real-life cowboys because the story is about basically this, this cowboy who has an accident, and he basically can't ride anymore competitively because he gets seizures. Basically, his, his um, physicality gets worse and worse the more he rides because of the accident. So he's kind of teetering between having to quit riding and for health or going down a path of riding forever, but then his health just keeps on decreasing and decreasing. And mm-hmm. so it kind of plays with that conflict. And I think that also kind of mirrors a little bit um, Nomadland's conflict of, oh, well, is friend going to kind of fully commit herself to that life and let everything go, including the death of her husband? Or will she maybe end up coming back at some point, um, returning to quote unquote normal life? And I think that those, even though those conflicts aren't necessarily the key point of either of those films, it does bring about kind of a, a, a good look into kind of what one's identity means to those characters and how much of their identity is comprised by how they live or, or what their passions are. Um, and again, there are some certain other aspects that I think we'll talk about in future films. But again, for those two films, especially if you love Nomadland, definitely check out The Rider because it, it, again, same director and definitely a lot of stylistic similarities as well. I remember uh, when Nomadland, when the first teaser trailer came out for it, and it was just that that long tracking shot of Fern walking through the RV park, and um, it was just so incredibly gorgeous, you know, the way that it was shot. And uh, I actually hadn't seen the rider until just last week, and um, it is I knew its reputation that it was such a beautiful looking film, uh, regardless of everything else that happens in it, which is a fantastic movie, uh, you know, all around. But it looks so incredible. And that that just kind of reminded me of that first teaser in Nomadland. But um but yeah, the the writer is a fantastic movie, and and it's easy to see like where there's a progression here for uh, for Chloe Zhao uh, with going from that to this, and and the the kind of movie, the kind of story that she's trying to tell, and uh, that whole thing of kind of blurring that line between um, you know a narrative film, which it is, but having all these real people that kind of gives it a little bit of a documentary feel, even though it's not a documentary. Um, th- there's some really interesting stuff there. And yeah, I mean, the, the writer is just uh, a really great movie. I-, I do think it's interesting, though, to bring up uh, that film. I haven't seen her first movie, uh, but but between these two, the fact that her next film is a big, giant Marvel movie, I'm really curious to see what that looks like exactly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, from what we've been hearing, apparently she's knocked it out of the park and yeah. over 90% of the scenes are shot just like Nomadland and like the rider were. So that is definitely going to be something interesting to circle back on because, I mean, it has the potential to be one of the one of the best blockbusters in a while. So I'm definitely excited to, to hear that. And her, but again, this, I think the main thing in these films is that it's a very good way to kind of trace her evolution and 
trace some of the stuff that she she holds near and dear and some of the stuff that maybe she's trying to venture out into. But overall, I'd say it's a great, great film to compare to, to Nomad. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll go with my next piece. And this is one of those puzzle pieces that couldn't really have been an inspiration because it was being made at the same time as Nomadland, but I do think it fits into this conversation, and uh, if if nothing else, I think it would make a, a great companion piece to Nomadland, and that is a movie that came out last year called Bloody Nose Empty Pockets, and it's this, this really unique film uh, about the the last day of a bar here in Las Vegas, actually, although it wasn't shot in Las Vegas, uh, and it's not a real bar here, but that's a whole other story. You can listen to our podcast on the, on the movie about that. Uh, but the the main thing, though, that there's two main reasons for bringing this into the conversation. The first of which, something we were just talking about there, is a narrative film that's made to feel almost documentary-like by bringing in all of these kind of like non-actors, and uh, they just—it makes everything just feel so much more authentic and so much more real. And there's really only a couple of like—I wouldn't even say known actors; they're more like uh, local stage actors in Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Uh, otherwise, it's just you know pretty much non-actors that are really just lending that authenticity to the film. But on top of that, though, the main theme of this movie, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, is that this bar, it, it basically provides this sense of community for all these people who just don't get it elsewhere. And it, it's really a, a commentary on, uh, you know, the failings of the American dream and for, for people who don't have that regular family life, whether they want it or not, like the traditional American dream family life situation, how they they search for community in other ways. And in Nomadland, it's, it's these nomads who spend their time uh, traveling across the country and uh, g- getting together in, in these RV parks and various campgrounds. And uh, it, it's just like a whole different kind of family, a different kind of community and a different way of living that's being shown here, uh, whether it's bloody nose, empty pockets with all these people who are basically family because they frequent the same bar every night or nomad land, all these people who basically are family because they spend so much time together at, at these RV parks. And so I just think that they're just such great, uh, great uh, examples of of showing that kind of alternative lifestyle. Yeah, just looking up the film, I'm actually seeing that the cast list is only four names long, which I guess is a testament to just how many like non-actors they ended right. up using. And I mean, Turner Ross and Bill Ross, just looking at kind of their background, they do seem to traverse that line between documentary filmmakers and narrative filmmakers. And right. honestly, it seems like it's a very interesting career trajectory. So Though there's some other filmmakers that I'm definitely going to have to check out because I wasn't even aware that this film was released already. But okay. one, um, one regarding the the argument about the the directors, I think one of those directors that I think even Jaw has directly said that has inspired much of her work, and I believe he even saw an early cut of Nomadland, uh, was that of Terrence Malick. So here, instead of focusing on a single film of his, since I think the main inspiration was very much his lyrical style, I guess we're just gonna. I'm fine talking about his entire portfolio Um, because especially with films like Badlands and the tree of life, I'd have to highlight where it's just very much these lyrical wide shots and they just bring a certain sense where it kind of puts atmosphere over story. And even though some of those like the tree of life or Badlands actually do have a lot of story to them, especially his later works, 
do tend to actually much more have much more of an atmosphere and pretty much no story, which is where he's received right. a lot of criticism, even though I do like that aspect of his style. But here, what Ja does is that even though she has a great screenplay, you can tell that the priority is definitely capturing that authentic atmosphere of living in this desolate wilderness and kind of that firsthand experience of her traversing the wild and just seeing how, again, this film could have been shot in a very standard way. It definitely had the makings where like it could it could have been basically a standard um, feel-good film, Oscar baby film. But no, they choose to go with a bunch of risky handheld cinematography and just the way where they trade between kind of these intense close-ups and these sweeping wide shots just act as a very lyrical and atmospherical kind of way to capture each and every scene. And I think that she actually does take a lot of that from Terrence Malick. And apparently Terrence Malick loved the cut of Nomadland that he saw. So it's great to see that she was able to actually directly interact with a lot of her inspirations. That's awesome. I didn't uh, know that about uh, him getting a chance to actually watch Nomadland and comment on it. That's great because, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that that he is a big inspiration on Chloe Zha and 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 all of her work, really. And and like you were saying there, I think that his films, you know, obviously, uh, especially the more recent ones, they do get a, a little bit more abstract and uh, more focused on on that style and all of that. Whereas this, there's there's certainly a lot more character based stuff to get into, you know, and and to me, I connect with that a, a little bit more than I do Terrence Malick films. But um, I, I definitely think that he has to be a part of any inspiration conversation when it comes to Chloe Zhao's films. Yeah, for sure. And I, now it's just about seeing what Chloe Zhao does next, because even though she does have that big Eternals Marvel film, it's going to be curious to see how closely she ends up following his career path, because I believe Badlands, his first film, was made on a relatively small budget, very much indie. And then obviously, as he got bigger and bigger, they became more studio films, like with um, Tree of Life and Searchlight, and, and they went very much into the awards territory. So it's going mm. to be interesting to see how much she ends up veering towards maybe prioritizing atmosphere even further, like Malik, and seeing how audiences would respond to that. Or if she chooses to go a more character-based route, which I personally think is what she is going to do, seeing how she's taken on Eternals, which is very much a character-based project. Um, mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how closely her career ends up mirroring that of Terrence Malick's. For sure. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And I, I, I have a feeling that, like you said, she's going to be focusing on, on character stuff. I don't think she wants to be... Uh, you know, too pigeonholed into a, a specific style or anything like that. I, I get the feeling she wants to do a lot of interesting things like that. But I, I'll go with another piece here, and I'm going to go back to 1984 for a movie we actually covered on my other movie podcast, Awesome Movie Year, uh, Vim Vender's Paris, Texas. Uh, it, it's a movie about a man who's forgotten his identity and spends the first portion of the movie walking across these uh, just beautifully shot stretches of the American Midwest. And uh, it's got this similar, um, just absolutely beautiful cinematography that really just kind of captures this, you know, real portion of America that, that you know, maybe you see in like a driving sequence in another movie, but in these movies, you are in them uh, 100% of the time. And then, uh, you know, spoiler alert for Paris, Texas, but um, after... 
ends up back with his family, uh, he eventually decides to head back out on foot and into the into the into the vastness of, of the country. And so I, I won't get into his reasons and all that stuff. Anybody who hasn't seen the movie, go go watch it. There's plenty more to discover within the movie. Uh, but you know, in Nomadland, uh, Fern you know, is, is our guide into this world of nomads. And, you know, despite having various people within her life who, you know, do care about her and who she does spend some time with, um, her place is on the road. And by the end of the movie, you know, she is right back out on the road to, uh, continue living that lifestyle. Yeah, Paris, Texas is actually a film that I have not gotten the chance to see, but it is high on my watch list. It does seem kind of like it captures that surreal atmosphere that we were talking about before. And I actually didn't know it was so landscape based. But just hearing Mm -hmm. what you said about kind of how much time it spends delving into that portion, it does seem like one that would definitely relate to Nomadland. And another one that I would definitely mention is that of kind of similar to The Rider, Jockey. I won't spend much time on this one because this one actually just came out in Sundance a couple of weeks ago. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's an inspiration for No Island, but it's definitely a good companion piece. And I would actually think that maybe that was inspired a bit by the writer, by a lot of Terrence Malick's work and a lot of Chloe Zhao's catalog. But it very much deals with this aging, again, this aging kind of uh, jockey. And again, once again, finding that conflict about whether or not he should continue writing. um, What, what, is there a life after writing for him? And I just, again, once again, it's mainly the sweeping landscapes and the way that they kind of film that intimate cinematography. And there's, I believe, a lot of non-actors in that film as well. So again, that was just a really quick comparison, but I'm excited to hear what other ones you got. Oh, yeah. And I'm excited to see that movie, Jackie. That, that sounds like it's going to be great. So I will go with another piece here. Uh, and that is a movie I've brought up a few times before here on the show. Uh, it's The Florida Project from Sean Baker. Uh, just an absolutely fantastic movie. Uh, it came out just a few years ago. And it, it's it's about this this world of the hidden homeless basically is what I've heard it described as before. But uh, these people who technically have places to live, but they, you know, they don't really have, uh, you know, the support and the family and the community. And, and they, they, you know, really are just kind of like one bad step away from not having anything. And uh, it's, it's a really, uh, really fascinating movie and really beautifully made movie everything about it is, is just incredible uh but i i do think that that both of these movies they tend to kind of uh shine a light i'd say on on these specific very specific communities that like i said are just like they're kind of riding this line be, between not having anything but also uh, continuing on in their particular circumstances and uh, lots of great characters within these particular movies. And actually, I haven't seen that one, but I think one that actually relates both to No One Land and the Florida Project from what I've heard, from what I've seen about its themes, is that of Alfonso Cuaron's Roma. Now, I don't know how how much she was inspired by this film because they did come out, I believe, Roma came out around when they were actually first shooting Nomadland. But mm-hmm. just... Alfonso Cuaron, what he does here, it's a very much a slice of life film where apart from, again, the very lyrical, very sweeping direction where it, it, it kind of takes a backseat and just kind of lets you explore the landscapes and explores 
um, what the main character is seeing, I think that it does also focus as kind of like one person's internal journey to find to truly finding himself. Because again, this is actually the story of a maid. It's based on kind of it's a pseudo autobiographical um, film for Quaron because it's basically the maid. It's based off the life of the maid who actually cared for him and his family when he was in his childhood in Mexico. And right. instead of many of these films, again, that focus on that, like let's say the help, don't necessarily focus that much on her personal struggles and they much just focus about how they play into the, the larger picture. But what this film does is that it makes her the only main character and this necessarily maybe upper class family is just kind of supporting characters to kind of her own personal journey because she goes through things like a pregnancy. She, she finds love. She finds loss. Um, she experiences all these crevices uh, of Mexico and even some Mexican history, like the, 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 the 1969 revolution, I believe she, she experienced a little bit of that, those riots. Mm-hmm. And yeah. again, this was something that could be captured in a certain way, but the fact that it chose chooses to go in such a sweeping lyrical way and such an auteur driven way where even Netflix just gave Corona a blank check and said, you know what, you can go film it black and white, film it foreign language and just do whatever feels true to you and then bring that to us. I think that's something that Chloe Zhao did very much with Nomadland, even though I don't believe she had a studio attached from the beginning, but just the way in which you feel that sense of calmness and that sense of that it focuses on someone's personal journey that many bigger films may have not chosen to focus on is I'd say something that's really commendable. Again, I know there has been a little little bit of controversy in terms of how accurately it portrays that slice of life. But from what I've heard, it's mainly been a pretty solid portrayal. And the fact that it's able to do so in a way that is so auteur driven, because once again, like it's very much driven by her voice and it's not necessarily compromised by any overarching studio or any overarching producers who are maybe trying to get into her way to make a more conventional film it's able to let her breathe and just truly capture the calm landscapes. And another comparison, which might be a little unconventional, as it's not necessarily about its themes or about its style, but maybe about how the audience responds to it. Because Roma was a film that, just like Nomadland right now, is was absolutely beloved by critics and art house audiences alike. They were giving it raves. There were multiple critic awards given to Roma, I believe, sweeped almost all the awards and Nomadland has been doing the same in terms of critic awards but it's going to be interesting to see how Nomadland's campaign and wider audience response plays out because it was only released on Hulu a little under a week ago and it's going to again it's going to be interesting to see how the audience the wider audience that maybe isn't necessarily the art house crowd that maybe are just turning on oh a big film in Hulu with a recognizable star and seeing what they think about it because same with the Academy as well. Roma was a film that ultimately was not able to truly translate to, to winning the actual Best Picture Award at the Academy Awards. As we all know, Green Book actually beat it out actually on a one-year or two-year anniversary to the day of recording. And mm, yeah, even though it did win some technical prizes, it just wasn't able to truly translate to those mainstream audiences. We either declared it boring or, again, its foreign language aspect was a little bit of a turnoff. Same with this black and white. But Nomadland has a little bit more advantage. They do have a studio that like has proven themselves in this category in the past. So that is going to be interesting to see as well. And the last thing I'd say about these two films is that even though Roma isn't necessarily a non-actor film, 
Nomadland, again, it's supported by all these non-actors, but the main character of Roma was actually cast on the fly. And she wasn't even a professional actor. What actually happened was that her sister was going to audition for the role. And then she she had to miss it. So she just told her sister, Amelita um, Paricio, I think is her name. And she said, you know what? Just you go, go audition for the role. Whatever happens, whatever happens. And she ends up getting casted for that role. <laughs> and, and even nominated for Best Actress. It's, it's pretty insane. But it's, again, it's because she apparently authentically represented what Quaron thought uh, of his own maid, Cleo. And again, it's just it's a it's a pretty incredible story to see how that that came around. Yeah, absolutely. And and also a fantastic movie. Also just an incredibly beautiful movie. Uh right now, Nomad Land is very surprisingly getting an IMAX theater run. And I so wish I was vaccinated and could go see it in the theater right now because it is it's just so beautiful to look at. And I wish uh, I could have seen Roma in an IMAX theater too, because it is so beautiful to look at. Uh, but as far as those awards uh you know possibilities are, are concerned. Uh, I do think it's a very interesting year, what with everything that happened with the pandemic and the strange release rollouts of all these movies, really. And so, I mean, it just seems like anything could happen. Um, I, I do think Francis McDormand is a uh, a huge get for this team. Like, you know, the awards love her and anything that she's involved in. That is definitely true. That's definitely true. And I actually was lucky enough to see both Roma and Nomadland in theaters. Roma, I actually had to drive around 45 minutes down to South Miami, and but it, it was well worth the, the ride. And with Nomadland, I asked what I had to do. I put on a mask. I actually put on face shield, everything. And <laughs> I, I w- literally went to the IMAX theater and back and didn't really go out for almost a week. Because again, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be safe. Yeah. But it was, it was definitely worth it. And hopefully once kind of vaccines roll out, it's given another theatrical release because in IMAX, it is just beautiful. I think that's that's the way to see this film. From the time I saw it at TIFF, I was like, okay, whenever this comes out in the theaters, I do need to go because it just it's so magnificent just seeing it on a on a fifty foot screen and Oof. it's it's yeah. incredible. I, I'm rooting for it for Best Picture specifically so that it gets like a second run in theaters after I'm vaccinated. Oh, that is true because Parasite <laughs> that happened with Parasite last year. Right. So yeah. yeah. So, Hopefully. And again, I know Searchlight sometimes does a lot of um, theatrical re-releases. So hopefully, if not this year, then in like a couple of years, it'll come out again. I can see it happening. So I'm going to actually combine. I have three more pieces, but they all... I think could be easily combined together because they all deal with with similar things. And uh, those movies are Into the Wild, Wild, and Leave No Trace, which are, are three movies about people who are kind of living these alternative lifestyles uh for various reasons whether it whether it be grief or ptsd or uh just kind of not feeling like they fit in with regular society but uh one way or another these people have decided to go live in this alternative way and they're they're all following these very interesting characters as they they try to work out whatever their particular problems are within this particular uh, lifestyle and world that they have they've put themselves into, and they all deal with you know the the beauty of nature and the uh, both beauty and heartbreak of that isolation of just kind of 
being alone and out there, you know, on your own. The biggest difference from any of these movies with Nomadland is that there are all these other people who are also dealing with these things that Fern gets to connect with along the way. But they're all kind of on the road on their own in their own way, but they all get to connect as well, which I think does actually give this a little bit of an extra slice of humanity, which is uh, really a beautiful thing that really makes this movie extra special. Yeah, and actually, as you were saying that, I recall that there's actually one more that I wouldn't necessarily say it's an inspiration, but it's definitely a good what-if situation, which came out only about, about a week before Nomadland, and that is Land. And now... On a first glance, these films do seem very similar to both female protagonists traveling the wilderness, and it very much relates to what, or like Into the Wild specifically, where it's kind of someone dealing with their own trauma and then using that as an excuse to go out and venture into the wilderness. The thing is, this is more of a, a what if Nomadland was done in a very conventional way? What if Nomadland had a couple of pacing issues? And I'd actually say it's like Nomadland light, where it actually just basically takes the most standard approach, the most generic approach to the tale. And very, it's very, very melodramatic. It, it even has a, some final scenes that it just, it, it tries to go for the humanly emotional, which I think Nomadland does, where Nomadland is able to be subtly emotional. There aren't any outright crying scenes, but you definitely feel the pain in Fern's eyes in every single frame. While sure. in, in, in Land, it's very much done in a melodramatic, and I'd say explo- exploitative way. So I'd say this is more of a what if to, as if Nomadland was done generically, but also it speaks a lot to Chloe Zhao's, once again, her directorial ability and just mm, yeah. her, she obviously spent a while in this one. I believe she actually, again, she was shooting, I think in 2018, took a break to go to the Eternals and then finished editing it up um, over, over the spring and the summer. So that was, it, it's incredible just to see how she's able to turn a story that could go wrong or be known as generic because it's been done in kind of these more generic ways so many times in the past. And she's just able to put in her own spin and her own flair to it and just truly make like a modern transcendent Western. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm actually seeing land next week. So I, I'm looking forward to it and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it connects here. So that's, uh, that's great that you brought that one into this. Uh, but yeah, that does it for our puzzle pieces. So I'm going to go ahead and do the finished puzzle here and then we'll get into some closing thoughts on Nomadland. Uh, but the movies we talked about included Wendy and Lucy, The Rider, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, the films of Terrence Malick, Paris, Texas, Jockey, The Florida Project, Roma, uh, Into the Wild, Wild, Leave No Trace, and Land. So, uh, a lot, a lot of great movies with a lot of I would say just beautiful, beautifully shot films with, with, with just incredible cinematography, but also with with these stories about these people who are, you know, searching for for meaning and and they're they're out on their own and they're they're trying to find uh, find what it is that they need in in this in this journey out in into this kind of unknownness. Um, but what, what do you think? Do you have any, uh, any like closing thoughts or, or main things that we didn't quite get to while going through the puzzle pieces? Hmm, I think this is actually a good format to kind of explore the intricacies of Nomadland without necessarily delving into its overarching plot. So I really appreciated this format and I think it was good definitely to explore those inner themes. 
But overall, once again, I think this is a film that just is just driven by Chloe Zhao's direction. And also, forgot to mention this in the past, but Joshua James Richards' cinematography was just absolutely breathtaking as well. But overall, Nomadland was a film that going into it, I expected it to be a little bit more awards baby, like Land, like um, Into the Wild, where it's not necessarily like meant built for awards, but it very much has that generic feel that kind of wider audiences would like. And when I was hit with a very much more art house feeling, very liberal, very lyrical film, it just absolutely blew me away. And it's become one of my favorites of the year. And I'd say actually it's my favorite mainstream or favorite wide release of the year of 2020. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it's de- it's definitely in my top five for sure. And uh, I think of all of the, you know, we we kind of brought up awards earlier, um, but I think of all the the movies that seem to be like in the main conversation. I think it's the one that I would I would. Hope yeah, I, yeah, for sure, for sure. Know. Like, it, yeah. it's so great that it's actually getting all this. I mean, honestly, I think it's because of Francis McDormand and Searchlight. But it's so great that it's getting all this mainstream awards attention and it's going to get so much so much exposure and hopefully introduce so many more people to this film her style and actually all of the films that we we've talked to about here today absolutely well uh, i think that wraps it up for nomadland uh diego is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners one that i actually watched recently that actually only came out in in january officially is out of a24's saint maud this is a horror film that, again, premiered almost two years, I think, in, in TIFF 2019, so uh, September 2019, so quite a while ago. But it, it's a film that, although it, it's very passive, it's a very much a slow burn, it's not necessarily the A24 slash art house horror genre that many have come to expect from that studio and from the filmmakers behind that studio. But it's very much a slow burn that just up until the end, I wasn't quite sure how I was feeling about it, but the last final sequence just absolutely blew my mind and just recontextualized the entire film and, and just brought it up a notch. So if you're looking for kind of that that art house horror vibe that has been missing from, from cinema for at least quite a while since the pandemic started, then definitely check this one out if you can. After what seems like a dozen delays to this freaking movie. I'm finally watching it tomorrow night. So I am oh, nice. excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to, to hear what you think. And I'm definitely going to be looking out for that. Awesome. Well, uh, Diego, uh, why don't you tell people where they could find you and your podcast? So you can find me on Letterboxd, Twitter, and Instagram at the Diego Andaluz. And that's A-N-D-A-L-U-Z. And there I just post movies. I talk sports as well. I just talk um just i just talk what i love and on top of that you can also find the podcast at global film pod on twitter and you can listen to our podcast on spotify apple google basically anywhere that podcasts are found and we hope to see you there one day awesome well diego thank you so much for doing this episode and uh hopefully we can get you back one of these days for sure for sure i i can't wait to be back and i can't wait to have you hopefully on on my podcast soon i'd love to i'd love to let's make that happen for sure for sure (laughs) 
Hey, I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including the best picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics, and more. Including the biggest flop. And this season, we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well at Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesomemovieyear.com. So please like us, subscribe. And uh, if you do like us, give us a five-star rating because we love you. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Nomadland. Thank you to Diego Andalus for joining me for that one. Uh, good. Great episode, a great conversation, and uh, check out Diego's podcast. Also, make sure to check out Awesome Movie Year. You just heard the promo for that there. And Awesome Movie Year, if you don't know, is another movie podcast that I actually produce. And you also hear me pop up on the show here and there. Uh, But they just started their seventh season, this time on the films of 2003. So it's going to be a great season. A lot of great movies coming up, some Bad movies as well, uh, spoiler alert, but for the box office flop, we just talked about Geely. Oh boy. Um, but anyway, yeah, check out Awesome Movie Year, great podcast. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening to Piecing It Together. If you like what we're doing here, make sure to subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And also you can uh, rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. We also have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, which combines content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and my my music career, which right now I am just deep into scoring this two-hour length feature film that is a lot of work and is really kicking my ass, but um, it's coming out really well, and once it's done, I will most likely be releasing the score as a special bonus album exclusively on the Patreon, so keep an eye out for that. That is going to be really cool when it's done, but for now, I gotta finish the damn thing, and... Uh, I I will say it's coming out good, though, so I'm happy with it, but it's a lot of work. So anyway, speaking of my music, uh, oh, and it's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. So go sign up. We'd appreciate it. (laughs) So speaking of my music, let's close this thing out with a piece of my music. And I'm sure I've played this on the show before, but I wanted to do something from my most recent album, the self-titled David Rosen album. And uh, this is a good driving song for a movie about hitting the open road and just driving around the country. So uh, this is a song called Beacon. Uh, I really love this track. And uh, like I said, it, it's, it makes a good one for, uh, for while you're driving. So I figured it would be a good fit to close out this episode on Nomadland. So enjoy this, and we will be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.